guys. Thanks all the team. I get the privilege of hanging out with these guys um, every week, and I am just so blessed to be here today. You guys know me as the bass player, and uh, perhaps you guys remember me being here about two or three months ago when, when uh, Chris Robbins was gone. My name is Mark, um, and I'm a doctor, so we'll just get that out of the way right, right in the front, you know, because well, we're not going to talk about healing today, so that's good. Um, my, my, uh, our, our pastor Chris is actually on uh, vacation. He's, he's, he's learning about the true cost of living in Hawaii, and so he's doing a great job um, just relaxing and resting, and uh, we just want to pray for him to have such a great time of restoration and relaxation while he's gone, because um, this, this work, this job that that uh, he's doing is, is, is tough. It's tough work. And, he, and uh, he needs that time away from the, bustle, the hustle and bustle. So um, I just want to encourage you to pray for him. Um, as we've talked about, we've been learning about the true cost of living. And it's, it's the true cost of living as, as Jesus followers in a place that's as rich as, as this place. I know that uh, we've talked a little bit about how rich we are in this, in this room. And I know none of us like jumped up and down and said, yeah, we're rich, hallelujah. Nobody was like excited about that. I don't understand why. But, um, but I think it's one of the things about America that we, we forget how rich we are and we all try and pretend we're not. Um, and you guys, I'm sure, know what you're, I know what you're thinking. Um, you've got the doctor up there. He's the rich guy, um, right? How many of you guys think I'm, I'm the rich guy in this place? I, I, okay, thank you. So, so, this is, so this is really easy for me, right? This is easy for me to talk about this. I, I get it. I get it. Um, but honestly, as I've listened to the scripture this last three or four weeks, it convicts me too. Um, because I know that many of you would think about my income and say, wow, it would be nice to, to have that, right? But somehow, I, we're never satisfied enough. And it, and it never gets better unless you give it up. Give it away. Give, let your hands open up and say, God, this is all yours. This is all yours. Because I know each of you don't feel wealthy. When I told you you're wealthy, you're rich. It doesn't feel that way. And I'm just going to say this. If, if, if you don't feel rich, it's okay. Okay, let's just talk about what we're going to talk about today, just in case, just in case you become rich. Okay, so we'll just, we'll, we'll just, we'll just ignore the fact that some of you don't feel that way. I know there's always uh, excuses, but that's okay. Just, just, just listen a little bit, just in case you feel rich or you become rich sometime, okay? Um, I just want to say that we, we compare ourselves to others, and we never feel satisfied that we have enough. In spite of the fact that, that most of us don't feel rich, even myself, you know, we've talked a little bit about this. Most of the world would love to have our problems, our middle-class problems, right? Our, our rich people problems. Um, you know, I, I, I have a, my iPhone it's been running out of batteries a lot lately, and it's really frustrating, right? So I think I'm going to have to upgrade to the iPhone 6. I mean, you know, I have to, right? I need to. It's, it keeps going out of battery, and, and I get to the end of the day, and my phone's dead. But, but most people in the world don't, don't have that problem. They don't even think about that problem, right? You know, I have, I have limited vacation time. My schedule is super busy. Um, but some people in the world have to work seven days a week for seven days' worth of food and shelter, and providing for their family. I get days off in the week, like today. My wife's talking to, to, to Kim Day and telling him he doesn't get very many days off. So that's, I don't get too many days off, but it's okay. Maybe if I got one day a week off, that, I mean, that's, that's more than most people can hope for, right? Our computers crash. We have slow internet. I mean, 
There's so many things that, that frustrate us in this world, right? Childcare is expensive. I taught that. Did you see that? That was pretty awesome. I was a catcher when I was in, in um, when I was in T-ball, and, and well, T-ball is a great put, catcher is great in T-ball, right? Because you really are terrible if you have to play catcher in T-ball. Because um, what do you do? No, I was catcher in little league. Okay, I was better than that, but I was pretty good at catching. Um, you know, it costs more to fill up our gas tank. Actually, I was thinking about this. I got I filled up my gas tank last last week, and I was like, wow, it's it's cheaper. It's like three dollars and twenty cents or something like that. And and uh, you know, I remember when I was a kid. Um, in high school, I would fill up my car for a dollar a gallon, and, and you know that was that was I could get ten dollars out and fill up my Volkswagen bus and and, and have a wonderful time, right? And when my parents, rem I remember them telling us it was twenty-five cents back when we were kids. So um, so you know, <laughs> so I, I think we all complain about the price of gas, but most people don't have a car. You know, like I. I I don't know about you guys, I'm sure Chris and Kim have talked about this this week, uh, the security lines at the airport, how frustrating is that? How many people haven't been on a plane? You know, our cost of health care is rising. I'm part of it, I'm the problem, right? The doctor? No. But it costs a lot to, to provide health care for people, right? But, but most places in the world, they can't rely on that. Um, you know, one of the things that I've, I was thinking about that, that, I, that I get frustrated about recently was the water restrictions in Redlands. How many live in Redlands? How many live on the even number streets? How many live on the odd number streets? I live on the odd number street. So I have to only water on odd number days. I thought about this, so it's actually a good thing because there's only, only the only day that you can water two days in a row is, is 31 days. Um, months, right? So I get a, a 31st and a 1st, so we're better on the odd number streets. But I just, that was just something I, I thought about. I'm, look, at I'm a doctor. I think about these things, right? So uh, how can I get an advantage? I picked I pick the uh, odd number streets. But, but people in, in, in Burkina Faso, they'd love to be able to just sprinkle perfectly healthy, clean water onto their lawns, right? I mean, we live in a desert, and we spray healthy, clean water on our lawns. And we complain about it when they say, don't do that so much, right? It's, it's, it's crazy because, um, you know, we, we just are so blessed in this country. You know, I, I had a birthday party last week. I turned 40. So I'm finally old enough to be a doctor, right? Thank you. Thank you. I, don't, I used to go into, the, I used to go into um, the exam room and patients would say to me, are you old enough to be a doctor? And, and now they don't do that anymore. I've lost all my hair. I've lost all my hair. But we had a 40th birthday party, and my wife, Adrienne, is, is amazing at priming parties. If you've never been to one of her parties, you have missed out and probably just didn't invite you, so I'm sorry about that. Um, I just realized that probably I shouldn't talk about that. But, <laughs> sorry, okay. but she, knows, she knows how to throw a party. And what was amazing was the day before the party, the night before the party, our sewer broke, okay? So... All of it, you who made it to our party and didn't get sick, that's, uh, that's a blessing and a, and a modern uh, miracle anyway. But um, our sewer broke, and I was so frustrated. I was like, we don't have time for this. We don't have time to spend my birthday cleaning up sewage. Um, but most people in the world don't have running water and don't have running sewer, right? They have to go out in the back and deal with the, the sewage um, out there. So I just, I've just been convicted a little bit about this. But... I don't know about you guys, but I tend to hear these things and I feel guilty. How many of you feel kind of guilty when we talk about how rich we are in America? 
And that's not what God is asking of us. He's not asking us to feel guilty for being rich. He's asking us to be grateful for it and give back in gratitude. So I I just want you to banish the guilt because it's not about guilt. I don't want you to hear from this stage that you should feel guilty about what you do have. You should feel so blessed and be blessed to be a blessing to others. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to run through quickly what we've talked about so far because I think it's so important that you get these quick take-home points that we've talked about throughout the last three weeks. So we taught, we've been talking from the passage in Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. And the first week we talked about how missing out on the true cost of living, we suffer the side effects which cause our hope to migrate from God from our provider to our own stuff, to our wealth. It causes our hope to migrate from God to wealth when we have too much and when we don't think of it as God's in the first place. You know, when you're inclined to to the side effect of migration of hope, we get hopeful in our wealth. You're inclined to hoard. We're inclined to take things and, and, and... and keep them for ourselves. If you look at my basement, I'm sorry. It looks like uh, I've been prone to this side effect, actually. I think the other thing we do when we, when we are, are prone to the side effect of migration of hope is that our hope goes into saving for the future, right? It goes into our safety and, and feeling safe in what we, what we can provide for our families and, our, and ourselves in the future. And I... I, my 401k sometimes becomes that safety net instead of my ability to, to rely on God and, and the provider, the God who richly provides. So the next week we talked about a declaration that I will not place my trust in riches, but in Him who richly provides. I won't place my trust in riches, but in Him who richly provides. And I was thinking about this. The good way to test that is to think about what happens if you woke up tomorrow morning without, without anything. If you didn't have a job, you didn't have a house, you didn't have a car, you didn't have anything, and you had no way of making, that, making a change. What if you woke up as, a, as someone who, who's destitute? How scary does that seem when you have family, when you have, when you have kids, when you have, have things to do, bills to pay? How scary is that? But what if we were to wake up tomorrow morning and somebody and we were to find out that there is no God? And which one would be scarier for us? I think sometimes, maybe my wife was telling me yesterday that, that uh, she, she thinks about it as it would be much more scary to know that there's not a God. But sometimes I think I, I, I'm a little scared if I didn't have my stuff. And that's me grabbing on to this world and not believing in, in what's to come. So last week we talked about how do we keep our hope from migrating? How do we keep our hope from migrating to what we have and in, instead focusing on who God is? And we decided that today, today, we're going to decide to do more and give more to those who are in need. And sometimes those, those who are in need may be here in this church. Sometimes those who are in need may be right outside the walls of this church in our community. And sometimes those in need may be the world. And so today we're going to finish with Paul's instructions to Timothy. 
You know, he caps it off with a perspective on wealth that has inspired more people to generosity than I know of anything else. See, the thing is, sometimes we get a little down on Christians, right? We kind of think, oh, you know, we, we, have, we don't have it all together. We, we screw things up, and we do. God, just, just look around. Look at me. Look around this room. There's plenty of us that are, that are screwed up, okay? But, but Christians, we give. That's something we're known for. And in fact, in the first century, Christians were really known for their generosity. They weren't known for having the right theology. They weren't known for knowing everything about the Bible. They weren't known for, for being perfect keepers of the law. What they were known for was their generosity, what they were giving to others and to the poor. And, and, and that's what they were known for. And so Paul is trying to keep people from becoming hoarders and, and inward focused and, and saying, focus on eternity, okay? This is why church, Christians outgive non-Christians by double, okay? Even though it's not what we would hope for, we would hope for 10% from everybody. That's kind of what Chris was talking about last week. We were hoping for a percentage. Well, our percentage is, is pretty much double what non-Christians are, are doing. And why is that? Because we believe that, that the stuff we have isn't for us. It's for eternity. Okay? So if you're non-Christian, if, you, if you've never heard of this stuff, it kind of sounds a little bit mystical. In fact, I read this, chap, this verse when I first knew I was going to be preaching, and I was like, gosh, I don't know if I want to talk about the storing up of things for the future and for, for, for heaven. That just seems kind of mystical and, and weird to me. I mean, I love it. I mean, it sounds great, but I just didn't, I just didn't feel quite right. And, and, I, and, and I've been convicted that, God, this is what it's about. It's about eternity. So for, for those of you who don't, who don't read the Bible, that, that, that kind of sounds weird, but I'm going to get you there. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this, and, and we'll get through it today together. So the thing is that Jesus talked more about what we're going to talk about today than anything else in Scripture. And, and it's kind of, kind of tough for me because I think we all hate to give this. We, have, we hate to be in the seats when we're talking about money, right? But, um, but Jesus didn't, didn't mind talking about it. So what I want to go ahead and, and uh, put up on the screen here our, our, our verse for the day. And if you guys wouldn't mind standing up with me while we, while we, uh, while we read it. I want you to focus on what this, this verse is really pointing to, okay, as we go through it. Go ahead and put it up there, James, if you would. So command those who are rich in this present world. Do you get it? This present world. Is there some other world that we have? You know, command those who are rich in this present world. I mean, is there any other world that we can be rich in? Okay. He just kind of points to it right there. Paul does. And he says, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, and to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And this brings us to the final part of the message, the part that I'm going to talk about today, the part that kind of made me feel like, oh, that's a little bit strange. In this way, in what way? What, what are they doing? In, in which way? It's in the way of being rich in good deeds and being generous. In that way, they will lay up treasure for themselves. But see, the thing is weird about treasure for yourself is that we already have treasure. You know, me, I'm, I'm the rich guy. I have lots of treasure, right? I have a big house, a big car. It's not about that. It's putting up, storing up for eternity. So they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation 
for the coming age. All right, you can be seated. So Paul echoes a theme throughout the teachings of Jesus, almost every parable. Great is your reward in heaven. See, we don't live like this. We don't live like, we, like we're living for, the, for heaven. A lot of times we live for what we have here. I know for me it's a lot easier as a scientist to, to measure and, 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 and track things and, and count things, things that are in my control that I can see. It's tougher, it's tougher for me at least, to, to kind of think about storing up treasure in heaven. But, but, but Paul is really echoing what, what Jesus said so much. Because the context for all of this is there's more to life than this life. So this is the, this is the idea that's, that's kind of brought more generosity from more rich people than anything else I know. It's way more important than guilt or just awareness of all the, the suffering in the world. It's not about guilt and suffering. You know, I, 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 you, you, get, you turn on the TV late at night and you'll see those, those puppy dogs that are, that, that are really skinny or the children who are starving. That, that's made to make us feel bad and feel guilty and, and, and write a check, right? But it's not about that. We, as Christians, give not because we feel bad about the people who don't have. We, we give because it's, it's about giving back to our Father in heaven who, who's richly blessed us. So let's go through another, another part of um, another parable that Jesus told because we want, to, we want to kind of point back to what Jesus would have said. See, Paul is talking about way more than, way more than um, I'm sorry, for, for building up a firm foundation for the coming age. And Jesus talked about it a lot. But we're going to go to the next, next point about this verse, which says, viewing the true cost of living of living the life of a Christ follower, right? That's what we're talking about, the true cost of living. Through the lens of eternity, it loosens our grip on our wealth. It loosens our grip on our stuff, on our stuff that we have that we want to hold on to. And it loosens its grip on us. So if we view everything through the lens of eternity, it loosens our grip on our own stuff. So here's the one of the parables that I that I was reading through this, this week as we kind of thought about what does it mean to, to kind of lay up treasure in heaven. So we're going to look through Luke 12, 16 through 21. You don't have to stand this time, okay? We've done our standing quota for the, night, for the day. All right. So when he told him this parable, so this is Jesus saying this, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. An abundant harvest. So this guy had extra. He, he was rich already. He, had, he was a farmer. He had, he had all these crops. But somehow there was extra. And now he's richer, Okay. And he thought to himself, gosh, what should I do? I have no place to store all these crops. What a tough problem to have, right? I mean, you don't have t- room for all this stuff, so, so what should we do? He, he got all this extra abundance of crops, not because of something he did, right? In those days, he didn't have some super special fertilizer that made everything grow better. It was the rain. It was more... Temperatures that worked better. The bugs didn't, didn't get him that, that, that year. And he assumed that this extra was, was what we do. We all do this. We assume that it's for us, right? So when we get extra, we think, oh, thank you, God, for giving me all this extra. But just watch what happens. And then he says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build a bigger one. Um, there I'll store my surplus 
grain. And that's not a bad idea, right? I mean, we kind of do the same thing. We will put it in our 401k, a little bigger 401k, right? It's not a bad idea if this life is all there is. In fact, this kind of person is who we put in charge of, people, of things, right? We, we say, oh, this guy's smart. He's thinking ahead. Let's put him in charge of something. That's great if there's only this life. But then he's... And he says, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. See, this is a good plan if you have many years ahead of you. But, but he didn't have control over that either, did he? Watch what happens now. But God said to him, you fool. You fool. Now, I think when we read this, we sometimes say, people who have wealth are foolish. That's not the case. He's not saying... Wealth is evil. He's not saying that at all. Because this guy was, was a wealthy man in his society, right? Someone who had barns and an and, and ability to store up all this stuff. He was wealthy in the first place. But what about the extra? What's it for? He's foolish because he thinks it's for himself. He thought it was for his consumption. And then God goes on and he says, This very night your life will be demanded from you. You're going to run out of time before you run out of money. And you're not going to get a chance to eat, drink, and be merry. You're going to, your life's going to be demanded from you today. And all that stuff that you stored up, it's going to go to somebody else. Not because you were generous. Not because you, you, you felt the need and the opportunity to give back. No. Because you're dead. You're dead. And you don't have a chance to be generous. So he had an opportunity with that, with that amount of extra to bless other people and store up treasures in heaven, but he decided to keep it for himself. So this is when Jesus says, this is how it will be. You lose everything with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So read that again. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So how do we become rich towards God? That's what we need to figure out. For, for those of us who live as if life consists of, of, of an abundance of our possessions and, and that, that our life is worth, is, is worth what we have, what we own, I want to kind of talk to you about that. Because we don't get credit for what we leave. We don't get credit in heaven. Remember, we're not talking about getting credit here on earth and, and trying to show, oh, look how much I gave. No, it's not about that. It's, it's credit for what we've done in heaven in the coming age, we get credit for what we give. You know why? Because everybody who passes away on this earth, we give exactly the same percentage. We give 100% when we die. We leave it all behind. We don't get to take it with us. So if the meaning of life is what we have, then we're in trouble. So the, later on in this verse, we'll, we'll go ahead to 33. Um, verse 33 says... Sell your possessions and give to the, poor, to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's a heart? 
See, God's saying, how I treat the poor, how I treat those who don't have, that's a reflection of how I love God. So, with that in mind, so remember, all of the, all of the first century Christians at that time would have known Jesus' words here. That he would have understood this idea of where your treasure is there, which your heart will be also. And so in that, we go back to the verse 19. Let's go back to that verse, 1 Timothy 6, 19. So this was the backdrop. That, that, that parable is the backdrop of what, what, Tim, what Paul is, t- is talking to Timothy about right here. Remember, he's, he's reminding Timothy, who's the pastor, how to talk and command his, his flock about being rich. So he says, In this way they will lay up treasures for themselves, as a firm foundation for the coming age. So what's the implication of all this? I mean, how does it practically work out in our lives, right? Um, the implication is that there's really only, there's only three things that, that we can do with our money. Have you ever thought of that? There's only three things we can do with, with what we have. We can spend it, okay? We can save it, and we can give it away. Those are the only three things we can do. And God's not saying that spending and saving are wrong. Jesus is saying, you just got to do a little bit of all of them. Because if you, if you live your life spending and saving, you're missing out on a huge opportunity to store up treasure in heaven. See, when we save and we consume everything we get, we only give leftovers to God. See, there's a part of us that, that love to hoard and, and, and consume stuff. There's a story I, I want to tell. It's about a family member who recently passed away, um, old elderly person. Um, but this person had, had a lot of stuff in my family. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's crazy what adults will do to each other when... when Inheritance is involved, right? It's, it's sad because the person who, who passed away has no more control over this and they can, they can no longer give away to those who need it. Instead, it's, all this stuff is left to be fought over by, your, by who's left behind. And it's, it's terrible what, what happens in those situations and families. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with providing for your family as, as you pass away, but 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 it just causes so much disunity and difficulty, and it's not worth it. See, so give it away before you have before you leave it behind. That's that's what this is really talking about. So, what do we need to do? We need to develop a giving strategy, right? We have to develop a giving strategy because we know that we can spend well. I'm great at spending. Okay, I'm good at that. Saving, I'm getting better at it. Okay. In fact, this year, Adrienne and I have been working on a on a budget. It's the first time in our marriage that we've ever really done that because we realized that we didn't realize where all of our money was going this year, and so that that was one thing we decided to do at the beginning of the year. And we've been pretty successful in 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 telling our money where it's going to go. And it's amazing when you when you do that because you you see, gosh, I'm spending that much on eating out. That's awkward, and I didn't want to do that. And you realize how much 
much more there is. And you realize how much money you spend on your debt. You spend so much buying stuff for the future that we, that we don't have money for now. That's, that's one of those side effects we have of being wealthy in this country. So when we, we don't have a strategy, we give spontaneously. We say, oh, yeah, that's so sad. Let me give you some money. We give sporadically. Oh, and I have it in the bank account. I'm going to give. And we give sparingly. We give not, not out of our abundance, but out of what's left over. And see, I know all of us have the same thing. When lifestyle slowly creeps up as our income creeps up. I'll be the first to admit that's the case for me. As your income kind of grows, you're like, oh, that's great. I have more. I can buy another TV or buy another car. Um, and trust me, I'm not great at this. So I'm, I'm coming to you humbly because I need to hear this. If your lifestyle is tracking your income, you're, you're living as if your extra is yours. When you get a raise, do we say, gosh, what can I give that back to my community? What can I do to give that back to eternity? Or do we build bigger barns? Maybe not bigger barns, but buy a bigger house. Or buy a bigger car. Or a better car. Is that what we do with it? See, Jesus is calling us to make giving a priority. And a percentage. And progressive. And what does that mean? When you say priority, it means He's asking us to give the first of what we have, not what we have left over. And he's asking us to give a percentage. And in the Old Testament and in in a lot of Christian tradition, we we talk about the a tenth, the tithe meaning tenth. And I, I'm not discouraging you from giving the tenth, but I do believe that a percentage every month is what allows us to reap the benefits of, of giving generously out of our abundance, not out of our leftovers. So we got to decide on a percentage and then we got to slowly increase it. So some of us give 10% or close to it. And that's great. It's not about the percent. It's not about the number. It's about, do we have an extra? Do we have a harvest that's plenty? And you guys know that we do. In America, we're the richest country in the world. We have abundance. It's about slowly increasing that, that amount. So I'm asking you to pick a percentage. This is hard for me. I hate sitting in the chairs when, you, when I have to hear this message. Thankfully, we don't at the mission talk about this every week. But we have to pick a percentage. And if you have a percentage already, that's great. Raise it by 1%. I'm committing to do that in the next year. Because you're never going to miss the money that you give, it, give away. You're never going to miss it. You miss money that you waste. You miss money that you misspend. You miss money that you, you buy a ba- make a bad decision and a bad investment decision. You miss that money. You miss money when you lend it to a, your brother-in-law and he doesn't pay you back. You miss it then, but... But you never miss it when you give it away. And God, God designed it that way. Because a, a heart of gratitude and of, and of generosity changes your life. I promise you, if you do this, you're going to see what you have differently. See, I don't get anything out of this. 
I'm standing up here. I'm, I'm, I play bass, and I, and, I, and I try and help as much as I can with, um, with, with decisions around here. But I don't get anything out of this, guys. This is us as a church deciding to figure out what, what we're going to rely on. Are we going to rely on our own understanding, or are we going to rely on God? I don't get anything out of this. Except that I don't want you to miss the opportunity. As somebody who's been around this place for a couple of years, and two and a half years, I think, I don't want you guys to miss the opportunity to be able to give back. Our church, we say that we don't need the money. And, and we don't. God doesn't need your money. But I will tell you that we, we're in a place in our, in our time, in our history, where we can make a huge difference in, this, in the life of this church. So next week we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the huge difference that we can make by being obedient in this area. By, being, by understanding the true cost of living a life that's sold out for Jesus. And it's not just a cost of, of dollars. It's a cost of doing good and being good. It's doing good for the kingdom of God, for eternity, not for this world. So we have a chance. We have an opportunity to understand that about our church. And I, if you guys are not members here or don't come here regularly, I don't want you. You don't have to be there. It's not, it's not for you. It's for people that come here regularly. So next week, Jason's going to bring the message and we're going to talk about our family here after the, after the service. So I really, really, really want you guys to be there. Because truthfully, there is more to life than this life. There's more to life than this life. And if this makes you kind of go, I'm not sure about that. It's kind of weird and mystical and strange. It's okay, I was there. I understand. Is the reason you feel uncomfortable about this because your possessions possess you? Has your hope migrated from, from God, the one who richly provides, to, to your stuff? Do you have the bad case of, of the what ifs? You know, what if I, if I give this extra such and such a money? Is it, yeah, I, what, if I, what if I need it? What if, what, what if my kid needs a dental procedure. I don't know. I mean, there's something that you're, that you're holding back because, because you're worried about what if. But see, the, the systematic generosity that we're asking about, pick a percentage, make it priority. This allows us to keep our possessions from possessing us. It makes us a manager of God's wealth. God richly provides us in this country with so much. And we are just managers. We don't own any of it. We, it's not ours. It's all God's. And he allows us to participate in, with, in generosity to further his kingdom. I promise you if you do this, it's going to explode your confidence in God. It's going to allow you to be so intimate with him because you realize that he's the most important thing in your life. It's not your stuff. It's not your family even. It's Jesus 
It's Christ alone. See, viewing the true cost of living through the lens of eternity, it loosens our grip on our stuff, on our wealth, on our abundance. And it allows us to give it away and loosen the grip that it has on us. So while you still have time, because we're all going to be taken away someday. I mean, I might not make it across the street today. While we still have time, we need to get good at being rich. We need to get good at it. See, Paul was telling Timothy, you got to be, you got to tell your people, you got to tell them that their hope is migrating from God who richly provides to their stuff. Be good and be rich in good deeds. And as you get better and better at, at this, I promise you, it's going to help you feel free. It's going to help you feel free with your finances. It's going to help you feel free with your time. It's going to help you feel free with your talent. Because God's given us all of that. And we're so rich. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for this word that you brought to us today. Thank you so much for keeping these words that Paul has given us all through the ages to remind us how much we have. And God, as the ushers come forward today, I just pray, I pray that you would touch people's hearts for eternity for what you have called us here in this place to do for your kingdom because God we know that we are here not because anything that we get out of this but God we're here to, to serve you and we know that we were all called to this place for, for a reason and we believe we believe that you have a mission at the mission. And so God, as we, as we continue to pray for revival in this place, as we continue to pray that your will be done in this place on earth as it is in heaven, God, we ask that you would bless all that we give. Help us to give generously. Help us to give as a priority. Help us to give a percentage. And I know it's not easy, God, but I know that you'll bless us for it. In Jesus' name we pray.